Welcome back to the Homeschool Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Bex Buzzy. Today's guest is Michael Stanton, CEO and founders of CoLearn. CoLearn has redesigned the school experience around families for an era of remote and hybrid work. They are bridging the best of unconventional education approaches and great schools to create an entirely new learning experience that prioritizes families. In this episode, we talk about how CoLearn is focused on future-ready, innovation, creative, and citizenship skills. Also, how they use the most effective and latest learning technologies to support fully engaged learning. And lastly, how you don't have to do it alone. There are exciting options and support for your family. So go grab your coffee, go grab your tea and a pen and paper because you're not going to want to miss what they have to say. Let's get into the podcast. Say hello to our guests and tell us what is a fun fact about your industry that will really surprise our listeners. Well, hi, my name is Michael Staten, co-founder, CEO of CoLearn. And I, I thought a fun fact or someone told me it was a fun fact that if homeschooling was a school district, mm-hmm. it would be larger than the 10 largest school districts in the U.S. combined in terms of number of students served. So that's awesome. That was pretty cool. That's yeah. a really Is that cool a fun fun. fact. That's an amazing fact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Oh my gosh. I didn't even realize that that's a really good number. We want to make it larger and larger and larger. <laughs> yeah. So with that, what is the focus of your work? What is CoLearn? Yeah. So our mission is to empower families to pursue extraordinary learning. We do that in partnership with families and technology. And our vision is to kind of reimagine the school experience Mm. inspired by homeschooling, unschooling, eclectic everything. Um, But basically all of the interesting kind of paths and styles and strategies that seem to exist in much more outside of school than in school. And for a long time, I would see virtual schools or blended schools. And I felt like they were not really tapping into the the organic creativity and personalization and just experience that is involved in homeschooling, road schooling, world schooling, unschooling, etc. <laughs> you know, however you want to dice it. Um, and there's really no reason for that other uh, that virtual schools aren't more like that other than you know online schools began and grew up in a period where the technology available was there to be a supplement to what we think of as the brick and mortar school model right or the traditional school model and so Yeah. And pretty much no virtual school. I can't say no with 100% confidence, but the number has to be extraordinarily tiny. Actually build their own technology and design it from the ground up without the design constraints of what we think of as a class and what we think of as a subject and what we think of as a school and what we think of as a teacher, right? (laughs) And so, you know, I think if we have a kind of a TED Talk snappy. I haven't done a TED Talk, but if you're listening, I'm, I'll show up. So, uh, <laughs> but it, a kind of a 
TED Talk point would be that billions of families around the world have to design their life around some model of school that just always has been and and gives everyone Stockholm syndrome. And <laughs> they don't even kind of realize how much stress, inconvenience, constraints that education puts on their entire life. I mean, it, it affects every, pretty much every fam family around the world. You want to live somewhere where you have access to a good school and then where you have to pick the right one and then do the right sequence of things to make sure that, you know, they're getting all the, everything that they deserve. So everything from like real estate to daily commute to the cadence and antagonism embedded in your relationship with your kids is all dictated by this design of school. And what if you started from the ground up trying to design a school experience around families with like none of the constraints of existing the way we think of as school? And could it look a lot more like the freedom and choice and relationships and curiosity that are in these kind of alternative movements? Wow. I, I love everything you said. You had me cracking up because it's so true, especially Stockholm syndrome. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like you couldn't have said it better. And it's true. The reason why I even love homeschooling. And what's funny is I'm actually a public school teacher. So I absolutely I, I read me, me as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, we absolutely understand like the, the constraints, the it's, it really is so not natural. And as you were talking, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, he's so on point because education should be organic. Education should fill you with curiosity fill you with fun, you know, more curiosity and questions and adventure. And because as a child, you're so curious, you're just so wanting to learn so wanting to know more. And I asked somebody, I remember I was like, I feel like somewhere between third and fourth grade, all yeah, the kids, a light turns off. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, it happens right around there because I'm like, by the time I hit fifth grade and sixth grade, they're pretty much like, you know, not asking any questions. They're super quiet. But right before that, they are very curious, very asking questions. I'm like, now I don't know what happens in there, you know, because I'm not an elementary school teacher. I'm a high school teacher trying to revive my students. I'm like, Lo mm -hmm. love asking questions. Love it. Love it. But I get it. It's impossible right. to love what you're doing when, when, it's not what you want. Right. And I love the fact mm -hmm. that you are thinking of ways to basically, you know, tailor it for kids and kind of like give them that, that kind of education. So like what inspired you to do that? Obviously, besides being a public school teacher, <laughs> it's like wanting to yeah. get out, <laughs> but like what? Yeah. So what inspired you to create your content? We don't create subject matter content the way that you know, you might experience textbooks, curriculums, like, you know, interactive content providers, even like video producers. Not that we don't do some of that, but right. so I was a public school teacher and I got really interested in how we can use the internet technology to, you know, transform education, go figure. As a teacher, I'm sure you'll empathize with this. 
you know, about six months into teaching, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to throw out everything they're asking me to do and reinvent everything from scratch if I want to feel like I'm doing a good job here. And I kind of went through a lot of now as a tech entrepreneur, I would call it design iterations. But when I was teaching, it was just like a mad scramble to apply as many research and evidence-based practices for both teaching and learning in my classroom. And it was kind of, you know, I, w- I would read some best practice or look at some method that's working. And then like next day it was like, try that, you know? So <laughs> I, I ended up coming up with a kind of system that really broke the model or broke the rules in a good way with my students. And by the last year I was in the classroom, I didn't have any prep work. I didn't have any grading. All the miscellaneous tasks that that drown teachers, I had managed to create like a student organization within my classes where they did a lot of that work. And my primary job was like choosing a really happy song to blast down the hall while they walked into my classroom so that nobody came in with like a glum face. And, you know, my my students were doing portfolio-based learning based on independent uh, universal study skills. And then another concept I called authentic work, which is I wasn't going to ask them to do anything that didn't mirror what what people would do in the real world that's actually valuable in the world and came up with kind of a different assessment framework where students would grade themselves after having meaningful discussions, their work with their peers, as well as seeing other examples of other people's work and discussing their work. So anyway, I think I'm going into the weeds here, but... No, it's good. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah. So... I then spent about five years, no, actually, sorry, seven years as an entrepreneur, was a co-founder of two different ed- education technology companies. One did something in the way that colleges do enrollment management, admissions and enrollment management. The side effect was I personally met with like the dean of admissions or the head of enrollment for like 150 universities, and then created a the first computer science boot camp or coding boot camp, where we scaled that to six cities and trained about 4,500 students in computer science. And they would go from making twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year to making ninety to one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year in a twelve week program. Actually, it it ended up becoming a nine week program. So that was called Dev Boot Camp. Then I spent ten years investing in education technology. So some things your listeners may have heard of would include like Clever, Class Dojo, Udemy, Photomath, Coursera, yada, yada, yada. The list kind of goes on. But after out school, everybody's using these days. Uh, brilliant, everybody's using these days. And somewhere along the way, I was asked to speak a homeschooling conference. And I did. And the theme was just like, you know, how parents can use technology to, you know, unleash learning or pursue extraordinary learning. And I spent two days just hanging out with homeschooling families. And I was blown away, blown away by the sophistication of the parents, the sophistication of the kids. I would talk to 15-year-olds who seemed 
more mature than 15-year-olds in school. They had functional relationships with their parents, functional relationships with, well, functional could, it depends on who you ask, right? But from my perspective, they looked way more functional than what I had seen, but they seemed to have a much more mature and smooth relationship with kids that were older than them, kids with, that were younger than them. They seemed to be able to talk about themselves, what excites them, what they're interested in, what they're working on much more fluidly. And I, it, there's this, you know, apocryphal tale at this point of the birth of the personal computer really being around this hobby club in Silicon Valley called the Homebrew Computer Club. And this is where like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak met each other and came together. And anyway, it was it was basically people getting together and building computers for fun because and there was no, you know, no hierarchy, inclusive network. And I kind of felt like I had found the Homebrew Computer Club of Education. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> So anyway, I spent a lot of time with parents, ended up investing in OutSchool and Prenda, which is a micro school organization based on what I had learned there. And I actually felt like no one I saw was doing what I thought could be done. And at some point it felt like I should probably start doing that. And then when the pandemic kicked in, I think on like day three, I was like, okay, I'm all in. And so <laughs> I I reunited with one of my friends from the dev bootcamp days, a great software engineer and CTO who was leading engineering at a company called Typeform, which is uh, one of the more popular, you know, ways to send out forms. But anyway, we kind of reunited. We joined forces with a homeschool mom of six who was running a homeschool co-op and a former basically like district administrator and like school leader who had a lot of experience in starting and scaling charter schools. And so us four kind of got to got to work on trying to figure out what could be done there. And at first we were focused on building a new kind of homeschool planner that works a lot more like a kind of Kanban board. And as we were doing that, we decided we wanted to start as a virtual charter school. That way we had a group of parents that we could actively work with that were experiencing it as free, right? Um, <laughs> and so we got started in Arizona that way. And we've had a virtual charter school in Arizona that is unlike other virtual charter schools. And we want to expand as virtual charter in states that want us to come, which is a really, really elaborate regulatory process. I don't recommend it for anyone really. But, um, <laughs> and then we also kind of have basically like a membership club, co-learn club. And we have different parent support services that parents can use ESA money or pay out of pocket for. And then using the planner is free, though we, it's not quite, as amazing as it should be for parents who want a homeschool planner and don't want to do anything with us. Because right now, a lot of the experience kind of assumes that we're helping you get set up and sure. helping you find resources and things like that. But one day, it'll be the best like <laughs> homeschool, unschool planner on the market. Yeah, yeah. So is there anything that I covered that you would want me to dig into or do you have any <laughs> follow questions? I feel like I just monologued yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. No, I was I was totally I was tracking with you. I thought it was great. And I think a lot of parents are too. 
So like, what are some things that you're at CoLearn if a parent registers, what will they be able to learn and <laughs> what will their kids yeah. be doing? <laughs> yeah. Part of it's choose your own adventure. <laughs> So we have something that we're starting to refer to as a map, which for educators speak, we can call it a modular academic plan. Parents will talk to us often with their kids, tell us more about them, what their goals are, who they are, what they want. And then they go into kind of telling us what their kids are doing and what they're interested in and where they might struggle and we used this framework that we call zone. So based on basically answering two questions on anything the, the learner happens to be learning, puts it in a zone of genius, aptitude, passion, or persistence. And then based on that, we set up a weekly routine. We're working right now on having that be auto-generated and you know, we want to be able to say AI this or something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they will set up a routine. If they are enrolled in our virtual charter, there are state requirements. So we then make sure that the routine and the map or the, you know, what, what the kid's going to be studying will meet the requirements. If they're not in our charter school, it's, you know, there are no requirements, but Basically, we build out this map, we build out a routine, and we show parents how to use what we call our co-pilot. And the co-pilot is our technology system, and it works like a Kanban board. And part of the experience of co-pilot is we have a lot of curated educational resources and learning applications that I personally have vetted. <laughs> And there's a taxonomy of it. So, you know, if, if your kid's getting really into robotics and you're like, what should I do? You know, we have like nine robotics resources that are on hand and we have a teacher that knows enough about them to like help you get started. For core subjects, we have content lead teachers and they do what we call elevated instruction, which means that because Khan Academy exists and time <laughs> for learning exists and Mia Prep exists and... Ad infinitum, right? Um, there's a new one called subject.com. That's really great for high school kids. There's another one called Albert. And uh, not to mention some of the, the education standards that have all been, you know, developed by professional curriculum people like Accelerate, Edgenuity, Edmonton. But point is, well, teachers now don't have to be the content delivery technology. Like their mouth doesn't have to be the origin source of all content, right? And a lot of teacher, we've talked about flipped classroom for like, I don't know, 10 years. I have yet to see a really good flipped classroom. So, you know, but the assumption is that when, when parents are coming in and kids are coming in, they have, they have a pathway through curriculum. If you want to be clever, you could call it clickable curriculum, right? Then they have a, a pathway through instruction, which is when they're going to meet with a teacher and the teacher's doing things alongside the clickable curriculum. If you want to switch the curriculum, if you have workbooks, if, you know, you want to use something, Singapore math or Rebecca or, you know, the good and the beautiful, whatever, you just, uh, you literally like type it in and hit enter, right? Oh, wow. um, yeah. 
So there's an instructional pathway and then there's an independent study pathway for high schoolers because one of our like new cool technologies to help kids learn is this just cutting edge thing called taking notes and writing and uh, <laughs> diagramming and uh, making flashcards, physical ones, you know, organizing them into boxes, keeping a planner, really crazy technology like this. So anyway, uh, with high school kids, I work on two different portfolios with them. And a, a lot of what we're doing is starting to codify. So I think if they listen to this, they would be like, is that what we were doing? But uh, one, <laughs> what, the foundational portfolio I call the GOSH portfolio, it stands for good old study habits. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll have a like best work portfolio, which needs a better name than that. So if any of your listeners have a good, but that's where they have like more long form project-based learning or do creative synthesis activities with what they're learning, interdisciplinary applications, things like that. That's so awesome. yeah, it's coming together. It's coming together. So yeah, it feels a lot like homeschooling, but we actually think that, you know, 10% of parents say they want to homeschool. And before the pandemic, it was like 3% three of kids were homeschooled. Now it's probably four and a half, five million. So lots of parents are, but actually there's probably another 20, 30% that would love to. But right now parents are faced with this, you know, false dichotomy of two entire, it's like you are the, totally delegating your kids to the man or to the system or to, hopefully it's not, you don't think of it that way. Hopefully it's that nice school down the street, but you're totally delegating it and crossing your fingers. And if you're lucky, you get like, I don't know, good progress reports. And if you're lucky, your kids actually talk to you about what's happening. And then, uh, or you have to totally own and be totally responsible for everything, even stuff that you feel out of your element about, even subjects that you haven't, you didn't understand when you learned it and you haven't learned it in 20 years. So we actually think that this 20, 30% of parents that are sitting on the sidelines being like, I wish I could actually kind of want a sliding scale of like, how much support do I want? How much do I want to delegate? And there are two vectors that we talk about. One is progress management and essentially like the kind of row, row, row your boats, like keep going. So it's kind of coaching progress management. And then the other is essentially like kind of curriculum choice or content choice. Like what should they be studying? Like what's the right fit in term, you know, and some parents want to do all the progress management, but they'd really love help with right. the choice architecture there. Yeah. Some parents uh, want to do all the choice architecture, but they really don't want to have to do the day-to-day -day progress management. And so anyway, we are, yeah, we're, we're building this kind of organization where like whatever level of support or independence you want with whatever vector is meaningful to you, you'd be able to choose that. And through the charter model, we make it free and then... For those who are not lucky enough to be in Arizona or hopefully soon to be <laughs> Georgia, Florida, other states, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's a, going to be accredited very soon as a private mm. school. We are accredited as a public school, mm. but, and, and so it will be like a affordable private school, basically. Wow. 
where can parents connect with you and like access all of your programs? Yeah, sorry. It's at colearn.com, which by the way, there's a woman, Lita Betz-Lacroix, which I'd like to thank. She gave a talk where she said, why are we still calling it homeschooling? I we're think not the same at, thing. We're not at home and it's not school. And then she was like, co-working's a thing. Remember before co-working, you were just <laughs> unemployed or you were an independent <laughs> contractor, right? And like, and so she's like, when are we going to be co-learning? And I was like, co-learn.com. Bye. So I actually asked her to join the company and be an executive, but she was too busy. Didn't want to run a company. So, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, we think co-learning is a movement. We're not the only organization to use the word co-learning. I, I was asked by a guy named Michael McShane to help define co-learning. And it's, it's a bit amorphous, but essentially it's curious, engaged families that are doing things outside of traditional st structures or systems and with anybody that's game and by any means necessary, and they're just actively always trying to do right by their kids. And they often yeah. contribute to the community and help other parents and help other families. And that, you know, I think the homeschooling movement, or if you wanted to make co-learning an umbrella term, you know, it gets kind of tribal within <laughs> it right yeah. um and i think i think the idea of co-learning and co-learning communities is actually like you know we don't really need to be tribal we can be pluralistic right you know if if you prioritize your faith or your cultural heritage or if you prioritized you know uh, whatever certain, you prioritize certain, yeah. whatever you prioritize <laughs> like you know as long as we can all get together and play and learn and go on field trips and stuff like Awesome. You know, that's kind of what we think of as co-learning. So it's at colearn.com. You can sign up for a free planner. I also invite parents to do free walkthroughs with me on digital resources. So we have something like 750 websites and apps already indexed and tagged. And I've kind of personally gone through all of them. And so I'll, like a lot of parents are like, I've heard of ABC Mouse. And, you know... <laughs> my kid really liked this or something. And that con guy's always on the radio, you know, but they're like, what, I mean, what, you know, what's quality, what's good, what's age appropriate, what will challenge them, what will help them if they're struggling. So these kinds of things, I just know a little bit more than somebody who didn't spend 10 years meeting with all these companies. So I'm also happy to do a parent walkthrough there. That's awesome. And that's, is that the only, yeah, planner. Um, and then in terms of like being in our club, joining our parent community, I think our parent community is actually free. I don't know oh. if it's on the website yet. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. But, but yeah, there, there are different ways to plug and play. So our, our goal is to, you know, we're trying to be a totally rethought through school. Yeah. And one of the things that doesn't really make that much sense is like the binary participation in school. You're either fully enrolled. Or not. Or you're not, you know, yeah. it's like, and uh, you're like, well, what if I want to do this like one thing? Or what if I want to go on the field trip? Nope, you can't yeah. go on the field trip, right? Um, <laughs> so like our field trips in Arizona are open to the community so long as parents have like signed certain things. That's great. And yeah, our parent community is free and then have curriculum packs that come with membership. So there are things that parents actually can't even pay for that they would like to pay for because you need a school subscription. Got and then there are, thing, there are things that schools get discounts or bulk discounts where if you added them all up, 
you'd probably pay more out of pocket for. But what I'll do is I'll yeah. put all of your links in the show notes so that parents can just click and go. So as we're wrapping up in like 60 seconds or less, like what is one takeaway you want our listeners to get from our conversation? Well, my team would be annoyed if I didn't say this. If you live in Arizona, Co-Learn Academy Arizona is a free high-performing virtual charter school with radical flexibility and can meet you where you are. Then beyond that, I would say, you know, this kind of binary choice between totally delegating your kid's education or totally owning it and totally being responsible for it with like nothing in the middle is about to like that bridge is about to be crossed. Right. And we're, we're certainly not the only organization that's thinking in this way. And co-learning as a movement, I think that concept needs to be a little more out there because, you know, the existing alternative universe outside of school is like more tribal than even they want to be. And the kind of brands around different choices aren't always great cocktail party conversations. So yeah, co-learning is a movement and look out for those things. And if you need any help with anything, like we're kind of an open book and we take time for parents. We have lots of webinars, info sessions, and we're still small enough where we actually like meet with everybody who wants to meet. So um, that's happy awesome. To help. Uh, oh, oh yeah. wait, I, well, uh, sorry. One more thing. Yeah. Um, one more thing. Yeah, we are, uh, we are also hiring. We are looking for veteran homeschoolers or unschoolers that are interested in being a co-pilot using our co-pilot technology that can help get, you know, get parents, help them take the leap, right? And we're also looking for subject matter teachers and to do classes and clubs. So, oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Michael, for coming on today. It's been awesome mm-hmm. just learning. Like I learned a lot today. <laughs> well, I learned a lot from some of your other podcasts. So uh, <laughs> thanks for keeping the community going and all your great work and uh, look forward to hearing from people. Awesome. If you love the conversations we're having here on the Homeschool Advantage podcast, follow or subscribe our podcast to stay in the loop and never miss this amazing content. And please highly consider taking a minute to leave a positive rating and review to help others like you discover this show. See you next time.